a playlist original. Hello and welcome back to the Breakfast Food Club. I'm Emily and today I'm joined by the wonderful Sarah J. Harris. Sarah's book, One Ordinary Day at a Time, is out this month. It's June as I'm recording this and I had the pleasure of reading an advanced copy so I can say that you will definitely want to pick this up. I'll leave it for Sarah to explain in the episode as she explains it way better than I ever could. But Sarah also triples my TBR in this episode and straight after recording I picked up a thriller for the first time in months. So be warned, you will probably want to do the same. Hi Sarah, how are you? Hi, I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for being a guest. No, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm really um, flattered to be on your podcast. It's really lovely to chat books with you. Yes, definitely. A lovely way to spend a Monday. <laughs> um, so we will just jump straight in with our current reads. So what are you currently reading? When I when I emailed you last week, I was reading um, Sanatorium by Sarah Pierce, but um, I really enjoyed it. I finished it actually, and so I'm now halfway through um, Joe Spain's The Perfect Lie. Yeah, I have both of those on my shelf to pick up. The Sanatorium, I like. There was so much hype on like bookstagram when it first came out and that's where I get all my my book recommendations from and then it seemed to just like take like I started seeing all these mixed reviews and I was like what what is going on and then when you said you were reading it I was like no I'm just gonna take Sarah's word for it so if you say it's good (laughs) I'm gonna pick it up I thought she's a very good writer um so she got lovely use of language and the feeling of claustrophobia of um being stuck by the snow so quite so thrillers that have I've enjoyed what the done that sort of thing like Catherine Cooper's The Chalet and um, The Hunting Party, Lucy Foley. And this had a very sinister undercurrent of the, um, the sanatorium's previous use before it was a hotel, that it was supposed to be for patients who um, were being treated for tuberculosis. But actually there's a lot more macabre um, element to it, to what happened to the women who were sent there. And then there's the modern day um, murders that take place. I thought she did it. I thought she did it very well, actually. I really... Um, it was, very, it was a real t- uh, page turner. Um, no, I, I enjoyed it a lot, actually. She was, um, yeah. There's some clever twists in, there's clever twists in I had to go back at the end. Once I'd read the epilogue, I had to go back and find the page in the book yeah. to <laughs> check back. <laughs> I love check that. Back. I won't give you a spoiler. I won't tell you, but it's because it will give a spoiler. But I, 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 enjoy, I, no, I enjoyed it. I, I, thought it, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, it has all the like, elements of a thriller. Mm, that you I want. love thrillers. Yeah, I love thrillers. So I read a lot of um, adult and YA thrillers. So, um, and this one is really good. Um, the Perfect Lie, Joe Spain's. It's um, it's excellent actually. It's I really want. I think I might stay up late tonight and finish it actually because I'm just dying to know because it's because also because I'm a I'm a freelance journalist and I used to when I worked on a local. I do education now as a freelance journalist. Before I, when I started out, I was did a lot of crime reporting and court reporting. So like the premise of this, it was like the hook is that it's a, um, it's a woman, Erin um, Kennedy, who wakes up with her husband one morning, Danny, and it's just a normal morning, they're having breakfast, and then there's a knock at the door. And it's Danny's colleagues, he's a police detective, and it's his colleagues have turned up and he just takes one look at them and then he walks over to the window and jumps off the balcony to his death. And, and it's just this whole, and then 18 months later, she's charged with his murder. So it's like, how, how is it like that he, 
he jumps to his death and it's in front of witnesses that how is it that she's charged with his murder but it's really intriguing because I'm over halfway and I still don't understand how she's been how how she's been charged with the murder it's really cleverly yeah. written it's really really good I'm really looking forward to picking that one up actually um mm. I used to read like thrillers almost exclusively mm. and then 2020 happened and suddenly they just didn't have as much draw to them as before like being stuck inside I was like no I need something a little bit more of a escapism so now I'm like I've got this because I kept buying them because I'm like I love these like I love a thriller so I've just got this stack that's just mounting up I'm like I need to like jump back into them but I think the perfect lie will probably be the next one it just sounds so good I, try, I guess I change a bit. So I've re- if I've read a thriller, then I'll read something like I, I read um, Miss Benson's Beatles, Rachel Joyce, which I loved. And then I'll swap back to something. So I kind of change between the, the genres. So when, I, actually, I have read two thrillers in a row now, but usually I do try and swap back. But yeah, I do love I do love a good thriller. I, like, I always liken it to, um, I always want that velociraptor moment, you know, in Jurassic Park when um, the gamekeeper is um, he's trying to track down, he thinks the dinosaur is in front of him, he's going to shoot the dinosaur, he's got his rifle, but then he, he hears a rustle and then he realises the velociraptor has, has tricked him and his velociraptor is, is about to ambush him. That's what I want in a, in a thriller. I want that yeah. velociraptor moment <laughs> that takes That's me by just summed it up perfectly, actually. <laughs> that moment where you're just like, I know what's happening here and all of a sudden yeah. you go, I couldn't have been more wrong. <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I like that moment when you realise you've been tricked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I actually picked up a new book, well, about half an hour ago, um, called The Ex-Boyfriend Yard Sale by Hallie McGee. Hmm. And I went into it reading it as non-fiction. And then the opening line is, I could get £500 to sleep with someone. And I thought, <laughs> this is fiction. <laughs> like, or is the author actually thought this and then the character's also called Hallie McGee I'm like no it, it must be non-fiction uh-huh. so I'm only one chapter in and so far she has got herself into some debt £10,000 worth of debt after moving to London from Toronto and she's been refused credit at the bank hence considering yeah. sex work so I'm not overly like I wouldn't say I'm a big non-fiction fan whatsoever, but the non-fiction that reads like fiction mm. all over, yeah. I can really get into that. It really sounds really interesting though, doesn't it? That concept and yeah, that does sound like one I'd I'd pick up and read. Yeah. Let me know so, when you when you yeah, finish Yeah, definitely it. will. <laughs> I don't like to be red pile. It's a bit of an avalanche. I'm in danger of it like falling down and smothering me with all the to be read books that I've still got. <laughs> Yeah, well, at the start of lockdown, I, I was like, right, I finally got time. I had three books on my To Be Red pile, and I was like, a bit overwhelmed, need to finish these three books and buy a new one. Now I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> it's got a little bit out of control, so we need to bring it back. But it's so hard when there's, there's just been so many incredible books like released yeah. over the last 12, 18 months. It's yeah. hard to say, no, I'll leave that one there. <laughs> Yeah, so it is hard, and it's like I'm not waiting till the paperback. I'm getting them in hardback. Yeah, no, there's been some great books actually. It's um, sales have been up, haven't they, for books in in lockdown? So it is, you know, one of the industries that ha- that yeah. know, people are reading and want the yeah, books in lockdown. Um, 
when we were locked in just like I need some escapism I know for me because my boyfriend was still working throughout the whole pandemic so we couldn't like binge watch on the tv or anything because he was in work so I'm gonna have to find yeah. something else to do and just plow on through all these books <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is your most important read so my most important read um was actually because of lockdown actually so it was um it was small pleasures by claire chambers and i just and it's a book that this year that i've i've given as a present to so many people i bought it for my mom and my sister and and my friend has borrowed my hard um hardback and i've just bought the paperback again which i was going to lend to a friend and it just really um it really resonated with me during lockdown actually it was just um have you read it actually the um no so it's one that's been like on my list to buy I haven't I don't yeah. have it yes and it's when I always go to the shops I'm like oh I need to pick that up and then I seen it come out in paperback and I was like right I definitely mm. need to pick this up and then when you sent over the email saying it was your most important read I was like right well there's my sign so yeah. next time I'm in a bookshop that's the one I'm picking up yeah. It's just it is a wonderful book. So it's about um, it's set in 1957 in southeast London. It's a character called Jean Swinney, who's um, she's almost 40 and she's got a very narrow kind of trapped existence looking after her elderly belligerent mother who's very ungrateful. And she's working on the um, paper, the Northeast Echo. And but she's made to write about what they called like women's things. She doesn't get to do the hard news or anything like that. Um, and she, a letter comes into the newspaper um, by a lady called Gretchen Tilbury, who um, claims to have had a virgin birth. And um, Jean sets out to investigate whether it's true or a hoax. This is obviously before DNA testing. And so it's part, it's a mystery. So part how she, she investigates what really happened with Gretchen. But Jean becomes closer and closer to the Tilburys. So she... Um, she really likes Gretchen and her daughter Margaret, the 10 year old daughter, almost, almost becomes like a surrogate child for her. And most importantly, she falls in love with um, Gretchen's husband, Howard. And it's just a book about um, loneliness and longing and, and how she wants, um, it's like this last shot, at, shot, last shot at happiness. And so the, like the, the title of the book comes from, um, in the book, later in the book, she describes how her life was kind of turned upside down by knowing the Tilburys that before, before she met them, the days um, passed without great peaks and troughs of emotion. And she described like the small pleasures she got during the day as things like the, the first cigarette of the day, a glass of sherry before Sunday lunch, a bar of chocolate parceled out to last a week, a newly published library book still pristine and untouched by other hands, the first hyacinths of spring, a neatly folded pile of ironing smelling of summer. And it just really, I think it really resonated during lockdown, these small pleasures, these things that we took for granted all the time, like having a hug with your mom, sitting on a park bench with your friend, um, going into a coffee shop, having a coffee and a muffin and like, like hovering at the counter, you know, do I sit down or do I pay now? All those things we just took for granted or check, trying on clothes in a change room, everything that we just, Woodless, like the fabric of life was just stripped away from us and then during lockdown we found those um I think we had to look for those small pleasures so you know when we could go out and walk with a friend and and things were just stripped back to those tiny little things that we previously I thought we'd taken for granted and then we just kind of clung on to so for me I felt it really it really really resonated 
and I felt quite emotional reading the book. At the end, I actually did cry when the book ended. I felt really kind of emotional about Jean's life and and um, and what she wanted and trying to break out. She was trying to break out of this trapped existence, which is what we were we were all in actually during lockdown. So I found it really I found it really powerful actually. And it was very it's interesting with the author as well actually. I read I read an interview with her and she was saying that the theme of the book she described the real theme of the book as confinement. And she said, it's about that clash between duty and individual freedom, how much self-denial is, is an acceptable load for any person to bear. And it was, um, I don't know, it just really, yeah, it just really um, spoke to me, I guess, during lockdown. And um, I found her as well as an author, I found her very interesting because she had, I read um, this interview with her that she'd published, I think it was eight books She'd written six novels, six adult novels and two young adult novels. And then, and then she hadn't written anything, she hadn't had anything published for quite a while. And she felt that this was her, she, Small Pleasures was like the last roll of the dice for her, for her writing career, that she thought that because she'd sold, she'd had good reviews, but hadn't, they, they weren't international bestsellers or things like that. And she described this book as the last roll of her dice, the last roll of the dice. And it's a bit like her character. This um, Her character was the last roll of the dice. Was she going to get happiness? And was she going to break free from the confinements of this unhappy life that she was kind of trapped in? It was just, um, yeah, it just really spoke to me. It's one book I've been talking to people about and kind of pressing into their hands after, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Beautifully written as well. Like her language is beautiful. She yeah, described like, like um, doilies as like porridge coloured and being in puddles <laughs> underneath the lamps and things like that. Her language, her use of language is beautiful. And yeah, it's just a really, really beautiful book, really well crafted and plotted. It's just like expertly plotted. I just thought it was, um, yeah, I thought it was a work of genius, really. I thought it was really exceptional. What an incredible last roll of the dice mm, to have because yeah. it's like been yeah. nominated for so yeah. many awards and yeah. you just think, well, like sometimes people get to that point and go, well, that's it now. Yeah. Like, I think if she wouldn't have given it that one last try. like yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that's quite inspirational for other authors as well, that, that um, you know, that she didn't, she didn't give up and that also that it wasn't, wouldn't necessarily be your first book that becomes a huge internationally acclaimed book that this one is. You know, it took her, it took her all these books. It took her eight books before, before she got this. So I think it's, um, I think she's a very, yeah, very inspirational author and it's very, inspirational novel so yeah I thought it was um I thought it was great actually definitely make my way to a big <laughs> shop <laughs> sooner rather than later <laughs> um just touching on what you said there what would you say is your what was your small pleasure for 2020 2020 uh it was just when I did get those snatches of being able to when you know when the when the um restrictions eased being able to see being able to see family meeting up because it was um you know my parents are elderly and it was hard it was hard at Christmas not having kids you know, I think I was like everybody we'd thought that Christmas was going to happen and so we'd got the massive amount of turkey and cheese and all this kind of thing and then it's like it didn't happen um you know so it was, it was hard wasn't it not seeing loved ones so yeah being out definitely. those chances when they did the, they did ease up and being able to see a friend or something like that it was um or taking that walk in the park and it was actually a nice day instead of this perpetual rain at the moment yeah. <laughs> <It's> just... 
we got really lucky last year didn't we because for the bulk of the lockdown we got good weather I think that changed it whereas I think it's hard for people I found it hard in January this year it's just so felt so long didn't it January January is anyway but (laughs) especially this year was something else yeah yeah no definitely so um it feels a bit more going back to normality now and um yeah so just those things I've, I've got with you know getting the tube and going into central London and and I had a coffee inside and a muffin which was the height of excitement for that week but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just those small things isn't it yeah. what about you what's your what's your sort of probably very similar just when you finally got to see people and like mm. just do things that you would say were normal so this weekend mm. just gone my mum got married and it was the first day that you didn't have to wear your masks in the Mm. ceremony and it was just like obviously everyone was still sensible there was still like distancing we made a joke like it was probably one of the most vaccinated weddings ever (laughs) because everyone was like of the age where they've all had two or most definitely like even I've already had half so I was like we probably are all vaccinated to some degree um but it was just so nice to be like this is just a normal small but just like a normal Saturday yeah it's that having that snap to normality again isn't it and feeling that it's back to what life was like before having those moments that yeah just be special aren't they that you just kind of have to cling on to don't you that sense of hope um, yeah to get you through it don't you yeah definitely and I cannot wait to go for a coffee and a cake inside instead of having to have it in a takeaway cup because I've reached the end of the novelty now (laughs) I've been looking forward to it so long and then actually my muffin was quite dry but I still managed to eat it built it up in your head and then suddenly I I remembered it it much nicer than this (laughs) it's never gonna live up to it (laughs) no What would you say is your most anticipated read for 2021? Oh, that's really hard, isn't it? Because I know when I um, emailed you, I was trying to narrow it down and um, I still haven't managed. <laughs> <laughs> I had quite a list. So um, I really want to read Mad Woman's Ball by Victoria Mass, which is a bestseller in France. And that's out in on June the 17th. And um, that's about, it's set in 1885, the um, Salpetria Asylum. And it's once a year, a ball is held at the asylum. And it's the highlight of the social season for the Parisian elite. And everyone's enthralled by this doctor and his displays of hypnotism. And it's about the relationship between a nurse, Genevieve and Eugenie, the daughter, teenage daughter of this very bourgeois family who's been put there. So I presume it's gonna be about the escape. I think she's gonna try and escape during the ball. I'm just. I'm, I'm really. I am really interested in asylums. So I'd started to do some research for a possible book in the future about asylums. And I'd um, and I'd read actually during lockdown. It was um, this extraordinary account. It was called um, Ten Days in a Madhouse by Nellie Bly, and it was the um, first ever example of female investigative reporting. And she went. Um, this reporter Nellie. She went. Um, she worked for the New York New York World newspaper, and she went undercover in an asylum in 1887. It was a women's lunatic asylum on Blackwell's Island. And it was just extraordinary that she thought that um, they wanted her to fake, her, her editor wanted her to fake being mad so she got put in the asylum. 
and she was really worried that she wouldn't seem kind of like mad enough and it was just like they she you just the, the, the threshold for being put in this place was just so low that all she had to do was seem a bit disturbed in the boarding house that she was in and they got she got put in it and once you were in there she these women it was just appalling that these and it was the same in, in asylums in this country it was just women that men just tried to get rid of that for whatever reason they got rid of their sisters and their mothers and their, their wives for symptoms today that would be seen as like the menopause or postnatal depression or or just answering back and having an opinion they were yeah. they were in there and they just didn't get out like he, he described it as a human rat trap it's easy to get in but once there it's impossible to get out and she was in there for 10 days and then managed to get out and did this big expose on it which led, led to a grand jury investigation so I found that really interesting and some of the examples of the asylums in this country I found really interesting when I was like looking into it so I really I really want to see that and I think it's being made into a film for Netflix so I really fancy that and then um I'm afraid I had a really long list in time which I sent you <laughs> no, it was, I was going I through it and I was like yep 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 these are all yeah. on my list <laughs> it was um, how to kill your family by Bella Mackey which I really wanted to watch really wanted to read and um which looks great um it looks like a uh, like like a Killing Eve kind of style book doesn't it yeah. It's a character's in jail for killing somebody who I don't think she had grace she hasn't actually killed this person but she has killed like six other members of her family or something so that <laughs> looks <quite> fun <laughs> and then meet me in another life by Catriona Sylvie I really wanted to watch really wanted to read um and that was um a, they, it seems like they they meet each other in all different lives like as a friend and as a colleague and as lovers and enemies and they keep meeting each other in different forms like a love story that keeps changing over time that looks really good and then because I love thrillers I've, I've got to read Paula Hawkins um a slow fire burning and also the final in the trilogy of Holly um Jackson's um a good girl's guide to murder so I've got to read that as good as dead I love those books yes. they're brilliantly done aren't they so brilliant so I've only read the first one I've got the second one on my shelf and just kept putting it off and now I'm like well the third one's coming out so I need to hurry myself up and yeah, <laughs> read it but it's one of those I know with the first one like I, you could read it like over a weekend it was just so like you were sucked right into it and it was such yeah. like, so well written that you're like oh what's actually what's going on what's next yeah. it's really well written so um yeah I can't wait to read that actually it's um yeah and no, it's really gripping and the um yeah she's got a lovely style with her the way she writes as well you know I thought those books are great I do I do love a good YA thriller. I buy them as, as kind of supposedly for my son, my teenage, my son, my teenage son, but actually I read them first. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good excuse to buy them. <laughs> I know, I keep buying, oh, here's another present. It's like, Barbie yeah, <laughs> he's like, uh, that's, I don't I want know. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my most anticipated read, well, release is One Ordinary Day at a Time by Sarah J. Harris. <laughs> um I absolutely loved it oh, um, thank you when you contacted me and said like educating Rita meets about a boy type I was like this sounds right up my street um and it was I just loved it like I loved Jodie and Simon they were just such like tough characters but you really fell for them and you you just wanted the best like you're just rooting for them from day one and obviously I'm not gonna 
give away any spoilers, but I actually talked about it in a podcast episode a few episodes ago. And I was halfway through to my current read. And I was like, yeah, it's about this, this and this. And then I carried on reading and got to the end. And I was like, this book has made a liar out of me. <laughs> like what I said it was, I was like, oh. But like, that's how much I like completely believed it. It was the Jurassic Park moment. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm really glad you enjoyed it. And that's yeah, I really did. Um, I just have a few questions. So, well, first of all, why don't you tell us what the book's about? Because you obviously know it better than anybody. So my book's about um, Jodie Brooke, who's a homeless single mother who um, who was thrown out of school when before she sat her A-levels, um, so she didn't get qualifications. But years later, she still harbours this dream, this ambition to study English literature at Cambridge University. And she meets uh, Simon Sparks, this very damaged former child genius and one of Cambridge's youngest ever students who's now working at Prince Burger, serving and usually burning fries. And she persuades her very reluctant Simon to tutor her for the Cambridge exam. Um, but he has dark secrets that can ruin both their futures. So it's a book about their secrets um, that are going to come going to come out and also about unlikely friendships and, and, and ambition against the odds. And how that human connection is much more important than than memorizing facts and figures from a textbook and how helping others they have to learn how to help each other and help others before they can kind of move on move on with their lives that really comes through in the book as well like the more that they help each other mm. it helps themselves like recover yeah. from their past yeah, so it kind of I think it helps them heal the wounds of their past that they're kind of kind the kindness to others so at the start that Simon doesn't Put himself out for anybody um but he has to learn they both go on very they both go on the different journeys actually to um but meeting each other kind of changes their lives and um changes their lives for the better even though when they first meet they would never have believed that but um yeah, yeah the so. first meeting is definitely one that you go how how do you come back <laughs> from that <laughs> so hopefully it's quite an uplifting it's, it's it's a very uplifting book and and yeah. um so um, hopefully that kind of positivity, people will want that kind of, people will want that kind of thing during coming out of lockdown, that it'll be, um, yes, that it, that it will that it'll appeal, really. I yeah, I think writing. we all definitely need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great. It's great fun to write. What What is your writing journey like? Do you start with the characters or did you start with the plot and found the characters along the way? Um, for this one, I think I, I knew I knew Simon's character very very early on, and I'd started to kind of write some scenes, and I knew that I knew what I wanted him to. Um, I knew he had to be he had to be trying to help to help somebody, and it was something to do with his past that he had to kind of um, he had to overcome. So I, I think his character came to me first before Jodie, and I guess. And I, I work in quite a strange way, which kind of horrifies quite a lot of authors, actually. But um, <laughs> I always very, very early on, I've, I always, I've always written like the last page very early on before I've written quite a lot, quite a lot of the book. So I know, I know how it's going to end. I always know the last line of the book. And um, so I, I knew that in like the kind of a B. Larkham's murder as well. And then so I've usually written like the first chapter and then I write the last chapter. 
and then I'm kind of writing in between. But I, I did once speak to an editor of a party and she was absolutely horrified by the way. But I always find if I know, I, if I always know the, the note I want to end on and the, the I guess it's, I want to, if I know what the feeling I want the, the reader to have at the end, that's what I'm going to spend the whole of the book trying to conjure up, if you sort of mean. Yeah. I have to work to get that emotion for that for that last page. So I find it really helps to know. Yeah, and it is actually quite strange to think like there are a lot of different jobs where you would work backwards. Mm. So like I used to work in events and we'd always start with the end product and then you go, right, how do we get there? And you go backwards. And now yeah. I work in marketing, it's the same, you go, we want this. So we'll go yeah. back step by step. So writing a book, you'd think we we know we want to get there. So let's just yeah. take yeah. a few steps back. So I wouldn't necessarily know everything that's going to happen to get to that point. But I just know that's the emotion I want to leave the reader with or the note I want to leave the reader with. Um, and once I feel I've got that last line, I feel like I've got the book. Um, and if I, if I started a book, I didn't know that last line. I think I'd really struggle a bit. So I do, yeah. kind of, I do read piece, I write piecemeal a bit, so I don't necessarily write in chronological order. I know important scenes that will take place. And then that just helps fire my imagination. It helps me build up. And then I will write the structure. So I, have, I will write detailed synopsis after that, but I have to get into the book quite a bit for writing it. Yeah, so I suppose I that gives a, like a clear direction as well, like you know where you're going. Yeah, I do know that horrifies quite a lot of authors. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess everybody just works in different ways, don't they? So. Yeah. So I'm assuming, I, I'm not 100% sure how the timelines of releasing a book work, but were you writing this during lockdown or was it pre-lockdown? It was pre-lockdown, but I was editing it during lockdown. And I think editing it was a lot easier than if you were writing it from scratch because you've got the words there you've got a hundred thousand words and then you're you know you're playing with it I, I mean rewriting or kind of losing whole chapters but at least you've got the material there I think it was harder it's harder for authors I think who are having to be creative because all the things that we all the things I did to get creative like going out or listening in a cafe to people talk or just working in a cafe just to change the scene all those things were taken away so I think it would, would, would have been harder it is harder to write during lockdown I think but editing it was more of a clinical kind of making it better and improving something that was already there rather than creating from scratch yeah it was very uninspiring lockdown it was very wasn't it? <laughs> it's just every day, day is exactly the same <laughs> Groundhog day <laughs> yeah definitely do you have any favorite authors who you take inspiration from or not necessarily really? inspiration but who inspire you I like um, I like Rachel Joyce a lot. Um, I think she has great kind of character-driven novels, but then she also has the element of darkness in them that I I like that kind of that it's there's some kind of mystery at the heart of it. Um, so I enjoyed I really enjoyed Miss Benson's um, Beatles and the unlikely pilgrimage of Harold Fry. So I really enjoy her books, and I really enjoy Kate Atkinson and. I, I read quite, I, I, I was saying to somebody the other day, I don't read historical fiction, but then when I was reeling off the books I've read, I realised I, I do read quite a lot of <laughs> historical <laughs> fiction. But um, So I do enjoy, um, I really enjoyed um, Elizabeth McNeil's The Doll Factory, and I've got her new one, Circus of Wonders, on my to-be-read list. And I really enjoy, I really enjoy um, 
Julie Cohen's books. I think she's a beautiful writer. So I read um, Spirited, which I loved. It's just a beautiful, really beautiful book. Um, hist that's historical fiction. Um, I thought that was, um, that was wonderful, actually. Um, and I read Together. So I really enjoyed Together with hers, which was written in reverse, which was really oh. clever. Yeah, it's really clever, um, really clever um, structure to it. And, I, and actually, in, in lockdown, I, was, I read um, Jojo Moyes, actually. I hadn't read any of Jojo Moyes before. So I read, actually, after I finished um, Small Pleasures, I read um, The Last Letter from Your Lover, which I thought was fantastic. And then Me Before, Me Before You. So, um, and I, I, I really liked, I, I heard an interview with Jojo Moyes and I thought it really, um, and it really struck a chord with me, but she was saying that the seek, the formula to the kind of the perfect book, she was talking about how before she'd written Me Before You, that her books were doing well, but they hadn't kind of like hit the massive big time. And then Me Before You, um, the winning formula was if you can make a reader laugh and cry in the same book. And I thought it just sort of really stuck with me actually, because it's so true actually, if you can, and some authors have the real art for that. So she does, and, and I think also Rachel Joyce does. If you can make people laugh and um, and also be quite emotional and cry, um, cry at the end of the book, which I yeah. say with small pleasures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find writing a second book different to writing your first? I think this was a very this was a very different one to my um, first one actually. So um, it was um, I guess it's in a, it it's a different. Um, a different a different genre in a way I mean my, the first book was um, a, a mystery the color of B Larkin's murder um, so that was about a boy with synesthesia who could see the color of all sounds and he thinks he's um, he, and he he thinks he's seen the color of his um, neighbor's murder because he sees the color of her screams the night she disappears so I did a lot of research for that I did a lot of research for that book on synesthesia and face blindness and then um, and then this book it was um, a, just the idea came to me for um, just with Jodie and Simon. So it was a completely different, it was a, it's just a different, completely different book. So I just, um, I really enjoyed writing it actually. So once I'd started, I really wanted to kind of, I really wanted to continue and kind of finish, get, get to the end to see how, I was trying to throw, I felt quite sorry for my characters to throwing as much kind of things at them to see if how much kind of character they take. Will they come back from it? Um, but um, yeah, so it was a different, um, it was different this one. It was, it was different this one in that I wrote from the point of um, two different narrators. So um, in The Colour of B. Larkin's Murder, it was from the um, a point of view of a, of a teenage boy throughout. And then this one is, is um, alternate chapters between Jodie and Simon, which I haven't done before. So that was, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, and they have very different voices. So it, um, it, um, it was just something, I enjoyed doing something different actually. I didn't want to do something in the same, in the same vein really. But um, yeah. it was, yeah, it was, quite, it was quite interesting to try something new. Yeah, and then if you said before you were researching asylums, so if that's something in the future, that's equally very different to Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I, yeah, I had an idea in the back of my mind when I was reading up on it. So I started to do quite a bit of research. But I don't think I don't think that would be my next adult book. But it's definitely something that I would come back to. I think um, I just find it really really fascinating. So I did I did start to kind of do the research and look at it, and I did have like a, an outline of a plot, 
but then I'm I've got kind of caught up in doing some other other things now so it's kind of it's on my my list of things um yeah <laughs> <laughs> future books to write yeah, yeah. that's why that field actually the one that's coming out to see how um how they do it actually because it does look interesting there's never enough time in the day for all the things you need to do no never is <laughs> I think with these light nights now as well as much as they're great I'm not used to them so I feel like I've got hours and hours and then you look at the clock and you're like oh it's almost 10 o'clock like <laughs> where's the evening gone so that brings us towards the end so I've just got two final questions for you and the first one is your desert island book and breakfast so my breakfast would be um pancakes and coffee and maybe waffles as well <laughs> I yeah. do like them <laughs> And then my, my, oh, it's a hard one, isn't it? Desert, Desert Island book. I'd probably, I probably want to read Small Pleasures again, but then I've got my to be, to be read list. So, and I heard your podcast um, and where you were talking about John Boyne. So, I, and he's on my um, to be read list. So, The Heart's Invisible Furies and Ladder to the Sky. I feel I need to, I need to read. So, I probably would take them. You see, and I've cheated and I've got three books. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> The Heart's Invisible Furies is. Like that's my like small pleasures. I tell everybody like you have to read this. You need you need mm. this. Except I won't part with it, so I haven't like passed it on to anyone. I'm like no, maybe like I'll get you on, but you know have a mind. <laughs> that's the thing. If you lend it, you never get it back, do you? So, no, I just I think you should never lend people books that you don't want back mm. because you're never gonna get it back ever. <laughs> <laughs> And who would be your three bookish dinner guests? I would um, want to meet up with my friends, actually. So I've got two um, YA um, writer friends, which is um, Sarah, Sarah Govert, who, um, who's a good friend. And, um, and she's been on your podcast, actually, hasn't she? Sarah? Yes, that came out today. Um, <laughs> we go forever, which um, is an amazing book. And, um, and also another YA author, Faye Bird, who's the author of My Second Life and My Secret Lies With You and what I couldn't tell you so they're, they're um, good friends we're very, very supportive of each other with our writing and we meet up um, we try what well, we tried to meet up we had a few zoom calls during lockdown and we've met up um, in Kew Gardens which was nice and we didn't I'd invite also um, Fiona Sharp who's a bookseller at um, Durham Waterstones because she's massively supportive of YA authors and of and of adult authors and I, I went up there for signing for um, Keller of B. Larkin's Murder and she's massively She's such a wonderful bookseller. She's just so supportive of authors. So I feel like we 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 all owe her a very big drink. So uh, we'd like <laughs> to say thank you. So she's very supportive on Twitter and and giving reviews on the Waterstones um, on the Waterstones website. Yeah. So we'd, we'd invite Fiona, I think, and buy her a very large gin and tonic or a glass of wine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a great dinner party. <laughs> I just want to see my friends again <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's where we are now isn't it like we just mm. we want to see, we want to see people yeah be nice to go out for a meal and go out for a drink be nice when it's because you can't go out in this weather like sitting outside in the rain just waiting for it to start yeah. looking nice <laughs> and I know you think oh yeah but still you think may we should be yeah. able to sit outside and have a nice drink and then yeah. just the weather has other plans <laughs> <laughs> well that brings us to the end thank you so much Sarah for being a guest and for all your great book recommendations I think I've like tripled my list (laughs) 
Thank you so much for having me. It's been really lovely to talk to you. Um, yeah, it's been great fun. It's been a real oh. honour and pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Breakfast Book Club. I hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Bye.